good to be here. It's good to be back. Um, you guys have been in a series called Masterclass, and I'm kind of picking that up just now. That's what I'm going to do this morning. And, and, um, and, and what I've been learning is, as I've been leading a, a little church and as I meet with people, um, the thing that comes up again and again and again, people say the biggest obstacle to living life like Jesus, living life with God, is the pace that we live our lives at. I don't know if you've ever experienced that, if that's been your experience, um, that, that actually the hardest thing about living a life that, that kind of feels like life in all its fullness, that feels like life as God would have us live, the biggest obstacle to that is that we live too fast, is that we actually, we hurry through our lives. We live at 100 miles an hour, so it's really hard to actually stop and catch things along the way. It's really hard to to actually pause and have those, those little moments in our lives because everything is so, so busy. So give me a little, just a little shy wave if you know that you are busy. You can be honest. And why don't you have a little look around? Keep waving. Have a little look around. It's an epidemic. It's an epidemic. Those who weren't waving were too busy to do so. They were checking email or doing something else they shouldn't have been doing. See, all of us are busy. All of us. If you live in Edinburgh today, you're probably busy, even if you don't think you are. I think I'm busy, and I don't even have kids. Some of you are like, no, you're not. There's no way. You don't know what it's like. We live in a world with um, a million distractions. There are a million things that you could fill your life with. And we live in a world that's obsessed by, by the material. We're obsessed by what's right in front of us today. And so it's really easy to get sidetracked and distracted. And it's really easy to actually live our lives but feel like we're only skimming the surface. To live our lives but, but to, feel like, to feel like we're settling for a mediocre version of it sometimes. And so this whole series, Masterclasses, it's not we're bringing in a master from Ox Gangs. He's a flipping genius. When you hear what he's got to say, that's not what this is about. I'm not the master. There's not much I can personally teach you on this stuff. But, but Jesus is the master. He's the master. He's the one whose, whose feet we're going to sit at for half an hour or so this morning that we might learn about how to live in fullness of life. That we might learn about how to live free, how to live joyful, how to live the kind of life that God would have you live. That's what we're going to do. And, uh, and, and I first met Jesus about 10 years ago. And I don't know about you, but, but I am totally captivated by the person of Jesus. I'm just in awe of the person of Jesus, of, of what he did, of how he lived, of the, the example he set. Um, to drop in a little bit of culture, Dostoevsky described Jesus. I did a literature degree, so I've read some Dostoevsky. He described Jesus as infinitely beautiful. Infinitely beautiful. I love that. I totally agree. There's always more. And Jesus is so beautiful. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to um, learn from Jesus in this series called Mask. You've, you've apparently been learning about how to live justly and how to live generously and how to live shame-free and how to live happy. And so today we're going to have a think about how do we learn to live slowly? How do we learn to live slowly? So that we're going to turn to um, Luke chapter 10 which is a book in the Bible, and it's, uh, it'll be on the screen anyway, but um, 
if you've got a Bible, you can look at it. And it's the end of Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. And it's set, this little story is set at the home of Martha and Mary. And it says this in Luke chapter 10, from verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. God, we ask that you'd help us um, to hear really well what you would say to us. I pray that you'd be in the words that are spoken. Amen. Amen. So we find this story um, of two sisters. Martha, she's the busy one, in the kitchen, bustling around, pots and pans, getting things ready, preparing because Jesus has come for tea. And on the other hand is, is Mary, the lazy one, right? Mary, the one who, who just sits at Jesus' feet and listens to what he has to say. And there's this little exchange, isn't there? Because Martha gets a little bit grumpy that her, that, she, that her sister's not pulling in the weight and isn't doing. And, and, and I actually think it's, it's, it's hard not to feel sorry for Martha. Because Martha's doing what we would probably do. You know, if Jesus came to your house for lunch today, if you met him at church this morning, we kind of hope you will. If you, if you met him, though, in person, and he was sat next to you this morning, you're looking now nervously at the person sat next to you. If you were sat next to Jesus this morning, and he said, I'm coming to your house now, what would you do? I, I think I'd probably have to shop, stop at Scott Mid on the way home. Get some fresh milk and figure out and check the cupboards and, and Jesus, you just sit there. Don't mind me. I'm just going to... And actually, when, when we learn more about the cultural expectations, it's even, you know, we're even more likely to feel sorry for Martha because she's doing the same thing that we would all do. I've spent some time in India and, and you go to visit an Indian family in their home and you go, we're here to see you. We've come to visit you and or we've been invited in for dinner or... And you go to join them and you, you sit down in their home and, and then you don't see them for about 45 minutes. You just hear pots and pans and cooking and you can smell it before you can see it. Spices are there. And, and about 45 minutes later, the family will emerge with a three-course meal for you. See, that's kind of what's expected. That's kind of what's expected. And so it's easy to feel sorry for Martha because she's doing the things that you'd expect someone to do when Jesus is coming around for tea. And the passage says that Martha was distracted. Martha was distracted with all the preparations that had to be made. That word distracted, it means, it it literally means to be dragged or pulled away. Martha was dragged and pulled away by all the preparations that had to be made. See, when we're busy, we get dragged away, even sometimes from the life happening right in front of us. See, when Jesus is in your front room, 
and you're missing out because you're busy in the kitchen. Something's going wrong. And that's what, that's what Jesus addresses. That's what he speaks about. And I don't think the issue is actually that we're necessarily busy because all of us put our hand up. All of us live in a busy world. Sometimes, actually, Jesus was quite busy. The difference is that we're distracted. We're hurried. We, we, we run around too busy. That's the difference. That actually we don't have space to stop and to pause. We don't have any margin. We can't stop to talk to the friend or the person we meet in the street because we're always busy. We're always on to the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And life can feel like that. And sometimes we believe the lie that soon it won't be as busy as it is now. Oh, but soon, you know, af- after Christmas, things will settle down. We believe the lie that it won't keep going as it's going by doing nothing about it. Busy means we have lots of activities, full lives. Distracted means we're hurried and actually unable to be present. There's a difference. And, uh, and I think actually often we can overlook sometimes the stuff happening right in front of us because we're too busy, because we're distracted. There's this amazing story in, um, in the book of Exodus. It's the story of Moses and Moses has this amazing encounter with God. He's out in, his, in the fields and he finds and discovers this bush that's on fire. But it's not just kind of caught fire and burning out. It just keeps burning. It's, it's miraculous. And the passage describes it and it says, Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight. I will turn aside to see this great sight. Why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. See, God spoke to Moses when he saw that Moses had turned aside. I think, and I worry, that sometimes I'm rushing through life with my agenda and I might actually miss what God could be doing because I never have space to turn aside. I worry about that. I worry that that I can be so fixed on what Aaron wants to do that I can miss out on the opportunities that if I just turn aside, he'd speak. If I just make space to stop, to pause, to listen, he'd speak. And the problem when we're busy is is that our external world is going at 100 miles an hour and our internal world can't keep up. We have a soul, each of us. And it it often can't keep a pace when we're running around at 100 miles an hour. I actually think that, um, and I know from my experience, that the moments of real breakthrough, um, those moments come not necessarily at the center of my plans, but in the margins, on the fringes. When I hit pause rather than when I'm on fast forward. That's where I see those things happen. And... uh, And Jesus responds to Martha. He says, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things. And he's saying, you've got things wrong here. You've got things wrong. Stop being dragged away by the preparations. Would you stop it? Your sister's actually doing what's right. You know, come and sit. Come and join us. Stop being so busy. Stop being so distracted I think there's something in that for all of us today would you stop 
You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed. So why? Why are we so busy? Why do we allow this to happen? Why do we get busy? Why do we do it? I think we do it. I think we do it because we think that busyness means successful. Busyness means good. Busyness means achievement. It's celebrated. Guy I know um, was saying there's a, there's a guy in his work who prides himself on never taking his annual leave. And that's praised. That's madness. But that's praised. That's what our world says. Our world tells us that you are what you do. So you'd better be good at what you do. You'd better be busy at what you do. And if you are busy, then you're good at what you do. If you're busy, you're probably good at it. A pastor called Eugene Peterson, he says this about himself. I've got it on the, on the slide. It says, I am busy because I am vain. I want to appear important, significant. What better way than to be busy? The incredible hours, the crowded diary, and the heavy demands on my time are proof to myself and to all who will notice that I am important. Maybe sometimes when we complain about being busy, we're really boasting that we're busy. How are you doing at the moment? Oh, you know, busy, important. And that's why, um, that's why I think sometimes resting can feel like we're wasting time. We can actually feel guilty about doing nothing. It's why the idea of Sabbath is completely alien to our world of stopping and resting. There's a sad idea that that I'm only as good as I'm busy. So so I'm only a good parent if I'm a busy parent. I'm only good at my job if I work long hours. I'm only good and have good friendships if my diary and calendar is completely packed full. We believe that and it's a lie. It's not true. And so if you, if you know that that's you, if you know that at the moment you're busy, and we all did a little wave, this is a moment to pause and ask why. Why am I busy? Is it just the circumstance of the stuff going on around me? Or have I, have I been pursuing busyness? Do I like that I'm busy because it makes me feel important? Being busy often masks in us an insecurity. And when you look at it that way, it kind of opens things up when Martha asks her question. When Martha asks, Jesus, come on, can't you see that I'm busy? Ask my sister, get her to help me. She says, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Translation, Jesus, look how busy I am. Jesus, look how busy I am. Please value me for what I'm doing. It's like when I, um, I do the washing up at home, rarely, and then say things like, oh, it's nice when all the washing up's done, isn't it? Because I did it. Or, uh, isn't it nice getting into clean sheets at night, fresh bedding? Isn't that nice? Because I've done it. I think, that's what, I think that's what Martha's doing. Jesus, can't you see I'm doing all this stuff? Tell my sister to help me. In other words, look at what I've done for you. Look how busy I am for you. 
And Jesus shuts it down, doesn't he? He shuts it down. He says, no, no. Your sister has chosen what is better. Your sister has chosen what is better. We know, we do know this. We know that that if we're trying to find our worth and our value in what we do, that's a fragile foundation, right? If, If my kind of identity as a person, my value and my worth comes only from what I do, that is fragile. Because there's coming a day where the things that keep you busy today, you won't do anymore. You know, at some point, you will retire from the work you do. At some point, the idea is kids grow up and leave home and you won't be busy in the same way you are now. I know in my own life already, there have been things that for a season were the most important thing. I was what I was doing that actually now are completely discarded. So I spent most of my teenage years literally running around for medals, competition, sport. Now, given most of them are gold, but, uh, but most of them are actually now in a bag in my loft. See, the things that, that were who I was, my identity, my worth, my value was in, look at this, around my neck, winner, achievement, busy, and now actually in a, in a plastic bag in the loft. The, the, the things that I... I spent most of my time and energy chasing after in my early adulthood are the certificates that are framed in my parents' house gathering dust. You see, that the things that, that we chase after, the things that keep us busy, the things that today are the most important things are not eternal. They're not eternal. There will always be more to do in the kitchen. There will always be meals to make. There will always be busyness to be had. But Jesus won't always be sitting in your front room waiting for you. Whatever stage of life we're at, none of the things that we're busy with right now are eternal. None of them. That's why Jesus says, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. See, Mary cares more about what Jesus has to say than what other people think of her. That's what's going on. And Mary shows us that actually our best weapon against the busyness of life, our best weapon against the busyness of life is found by drawing close to God. That's it. Our best weapon against the busyness of life is sitting at the feet of God. And and actually, this is something that Jesus modeled Jesus didn't just talk about it and say, you should do this. He demonstrated it. So when Jesus went out and became really popular and was drawing a crowd and was healing people and was teaching people, and well, what would we do? We'd go, great, keep going. Go on to the next place and do it more. Build build a bigger venue for him to speak in. Get more people in the room. What did Jesus do? He retreated, didn't he? He said, oh, that's, you know, I'll come back. He went away on his own to be with the Father. The number of times, if you read the Bible, and it describes the life of Jesus, it says, and then Jesus went up a mountainside to pray. He actually shows us this this space that he creates, the margin that he makes for himself. Not constantly on, 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 busy, popular, successful, but no, stepping back from that space. 
Jesus models it for us. And Jesus was always centered. It's quite a new agey kind of thing to say, isn't it? Centered. But Jesus was always centered. Jesus always had time for people. It's one of my favorite things about Jesus is the people that he spent time with. They actually called him, um, they called him a drunkard and a sinner because of the friends that he hung out with. He always had time for people, always. And I actually think that, that the best version of you, the best version of you is found by walking in the footsteps of Jesus. It's by, by found by figuring out how do I do what Jesus would do if he was me? How do I do that? How do I learn to walk in his footsteps? How do I do the things that he did in the way that he did them? And so we've got a bit of space, I think, a bit of time before the busyness of life that is many of your children arrive back in this room to, uh, to think and to reflect on the invitation of God to you this morning. Um, this, is a, this is a choice. This is not a kind of forced upon thing. This is not found in, in the culture that we're surrounded by. It's not found in, in religion or rules. It's found in a person, Jesus. It's his invitation. And, uh, and I think this invitation that Jesus gives us is one this morning to slow down. Whoever you are, whatever your circumstance to think about what it means to slow down for you, to make space. It's both a scary thing and a really freeing thing. It's a little bit scary because um, simply being rather than doing exposes all our insecurities about all the stuff we like to do. Simply just being me, not what I do, means actually trusting and accepting that Jesus has already done it all. That actually, there's nothing for me to prove or earn. God isn't impressed by my busyness. And that's quite scary, actually. There's nothing for us to prove. And, um, and honestly, I have, to, I have to regularly fight the lie that I have something to prove. That if I could just work harder, or if I could just do more, then dot, dot, dot. Whatever that is. Actually learning to lay down the things that we know we've been keeping ourselves busy with, but we also know we've really just been using to prop ourselves up. Laying those things down is scary. But, but this invitation to slow down is also an invitation to live free. To live free. See, actually the cross is where Jesus says, you are free from the crushing and impossible burden of having to do it all. Doesn't matter how busy you are, you know, the cross is actually freedom from that. You don't have to be busy. Jesus actually rescues us from the kind of worried about ourselves, Martha kind of relationship with God. That's what Jesus brings freedom from. And until we know that, until we know that in Jesus there's nothing left to earn, nothing left to prove, and so we can actually learn to be rather than do, until we learn that, it'll be really hard for us to get off the hamster wheel. Because there's so many things that would keep pushing us onto it. So many things that would say, that's just how you're supposed to live. That's just the way it is. It takes courage to step off it, to make space. So let me read to you um, an invitation of Jesus. And if we've got time, I'll tell you a little story. Okay? 
Let's read. This invitation comes from Matthew chapter 11. God invites you. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Easy and light. That's the invitation. There's a little boy in our church and he, uh, he absolutely loves toy cars. So he, he loves his toy cars so much that he has so many that his hands aren't big enough to hold all the toy cars that he wants to take with him at any given moment. Because he always has to have them with him. You know, if he left them somewhere and then suddenly was in a moment where he didn't have a toy car, then, you know, that would be serious drama. So what he's, he's a clever little boy. What he's decided to do is that he's got a little bag. And so he's got this little rucksack that he, that he wears and he's filled it with all his favorite toy cars so that anywhere he goes, he's got his backpack on and he's got his toy cars on his back. And so you can hear him coming at church because he's running along and it's... Because his bag is full of toy cars and, and the other kids are running around and playing. And he's kind of at the back trying to keep up because he's weighed down by all the toy cars he's got carrying around on his back. And he's desperate to kind of keep a hold of them. And, uh, and I was watching him just running around before church and, and saw him carrying his bag. And, um, and then there was this amazing moment where he, he brought them and gave them to his dad. And his dad agreed to look after them for him. Um, and, it, and it spoke to me. It spoke to me in that moment because, because so many of us burden ourselves with the things that we think are ours to hold on to. So if, if there's a good thing, if there's, if there's something that I'm supposed to do, if there's a, a life out there, I need to go and get it. So I'm going to fill my back and put across my shoulders the weight of the world. It's on me. And then we run through life and we feel weighed down and we can't keep up with the other the other free kids, because <laughs> our, our bag is heavy and we're weighed down. And so if we just trust what we have to a father who promises us good things, if we just learn to, to, to receive this invitation, to take off the yoke, to take off the burdens on our back and lay them down, to learn from him, to take upon his yoke, which is easy and light. I think that's the invitation of Jesus. That's the invitation of God. Where you have been busy, where you have been burdening yourself, this is an invitation to take off your bag and lay it with a father who you can trust to care for you. That's the invitation of God for you this morning. Shall I pray? So Jesus, we come to you as the master. As the one who can bring guidance, as the one who knows the way. Thank you that in you our souls find rest. In you we're restored. In you our internal world gets a chance to catch up with our external world. And we're sorry, God, for where we know 
that we've been chasing after other things or filling our lives in busy ways, looking for, for things outside of you to bring us our worth and our value. And we ask God that you'd help us, help us to trust in you, help us to trust that, that you've already done enough, that you've already done all that needs to be done, that there's nothing for us to prove, nothing for us to earn, that you're not impressed by our busyness. And pray God, especially for those of us who know that, that not being busy isn't as simple as just dropping something. It's going to take time. We have to figure out how we create space. Pray that you'd give us wisdom. You'd show us how. Our desire, God, is to live free. Our, our desire, God, is to follow you first, not what the hamster wheel that we're on would say to us. And we pray, God, not just for ourselves, but we pray for each person with us. We pray for the person on our left, and we pray for the person on our right. We ask, God, that you'd help this person to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. That even now in this moment, that you would be reminding them of your grace for them. That you'd help them, God, to find a rhythm of life where they can find rest amidst the busyness. And I pray, God, um, that this church community would be one that's marked as set apart and different. That in a world and in a city that says that busyness is good, that says that you are what you do, that this church would say, no, who we are and whose we are is more important than what we do. And so we pray that, and we pray that over our city, over every part of it, um, that where there is busyness, where there is uh, just stuff that people are chasing after, um, we ask, Lord, that you would shine your light in this city. That your kingdom would come. That people would learn to live slowly with you. And we ask all these things, that, that you would receive glory. That the name of Jesus would be lifted high by the way that we respond to you this morning. Amen. Amen.